0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. And you guys know that we interview people that are in the leading edge of changing thought processes and also changing the game. And the gentleman that we have talking to today is definitely a game changer. But first, I want to thank our sponsors at Double B Creates. This is where I met this gentleman. I listened to his podcast What an amazing, powerful story. So, Kevin and the guys, the Killer Bees, if you guys love podcasts that are fun, but also educational, check out DoubleBeCreates.com, one of the best podcasts you will ever listen to. Uh, Guys, now, the gentleman I'm listening to is changing the health and fitness industry as we speak. Um, As you guys know, I've been in the health and fitness industry for over 32 years, and just Gentleman is definitely a game changer. Brother, Paul, what's going on, my brother?
1: Not a whole lot, man. Good to uh, good to get on here and chat a little bit. I had no clue you had been in the fitness industry for, what did you say, 32 years?
0: Yeah, um, actually, I've worked with players from NFL, Major League Baseball, WWE, a former World Heavyweight Champion, and our sponsor is, one of our main sponsors is actually uh, sponsored by one of the best supplement companies in the world, Neutral Body.
1: Wow. Yep. Well, dang, man, you've been around the block. So that means all those compliments you gave me mean a lot more.
0: <laughs> I'm old school, bro. I'm one of those old school, uh, fitness guys where, you know, I'm still, a, I'm still an old Arnold guy, man. I, I love the old, old error of bodybuilding and fitness.
1: Hey, we will get, we're going to get along just fine because I'm old school, even though I'm young, I'm 26. Everybody tells me I'm an old soul. I'm kind of proud of that. I, I grew up in a, uh, it's a small town that has that old style, you know, feel to it. And so that's kind of where I get a lot of my personality from, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that old school fitness stuff.
0: Yeah. You know, I have a couple guys that I'm about to release a couple interviews with. And, uh, they're big in the health and fitness industry. And today I just interviewed a gentleman that was in the NFL for like eight. Years. That's going to be fun. But, you know, right. it, today's all about you, brother. Uh, you know, talk talk about, you know, what state you're from, you know, what town and, and what little Paul was like.
1: Yeah. So I'm from Kentucky. I don't know if you can hear any kind of accent. I don't recognize it in myself, but I know that it's there. Well, I went um, to
0: basic training in Kentucky and that's the first place I ever heard of a dry
1: county. Okay, yeah, exactly. Well I I grew up in if you went to basic training here, then you may know about LaRue County. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Yep. That's where I, I grew
0: up. Kentucky. That's where I went to basic.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in LaRue County and yes, they were a dry county up until about two years ago. Um and you can imagine what values come along with living in a dry county, a dry area. And for those that listen to it and don't even know what we're talking about in terms of a dry county, it just means that you can't sell or purchase alcohol within the county limits. Um, So anyways, two years ago, they got rid of that and you can buy alcohol here. It's not a big issue anymore, but a lot of those old school hometown values still live here. Um, And I do too, I still live in the area. So you know, for me growing up it was a lot revolved around church um I mean really that's it it was church every single aspect of my life revolved around church I went to a school that was connected to the church my family went to and for a lot of years that was every single affiliation I had and again there was nothing to do with fitness at that point uh my family was well, all of- overweight
0: I want to say you know, thank you for being a brother in Christ um, most of all um, I you know now that actually deepens our relationship and you know one of my good friends you may have heard of him he's on my, my friends list Mr. Lee Haney eight time Mr. Olympia um, is a, a man of cr- Christ also so hopefully I'll um, after this I'll be able to get you guys in touch with each other
1: Oh yeah that'd be great
0: yeah
1: i i kept all the good stuff from that you know there was you know in the i don't even want to say religious world but in the christian faith right there are great churches and there are not so great churches and the original place i grew up had a lot of negatives but it also gave me a good foundation Um, so i don't i don't walk away from any of that stuff i still go to church i actually have a staff position within the church that I attend. So I'm still very much, you know, into my Christian faith, but there was a lot of stuff I had to learn for myself in terms of my faith that that first experience didn't really um, didn't give me for a lot of years. So anyways, to kind of focus things towards fitness, there was I think such a focus on your spiritual health that everybody kind of forgot about physical health. Like nobody cared about it. Nobody said it should be important aside from listening to like the latest diet tips from, you know, Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or whoever, you know.
0: And the funny thing is, you know, I live down South for, I pretty much grew up down South in South Carolina, but usually after every church service, You know, we're all going out, we all go to eat, you know, we all have go to buffets, you know, we all uh, bring, everybody brings a plate and y'all have lunch. So, you know, eating down south and in the southern regions uh, is not exactly the healthiest. Everything (laughs) Everything is fried, you know, your sweet tea is half sugar, half water, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Sweet tea. It's so funny. I did not understand what regular tea was until I was probably I don't know ten years old. I didn't realize tea was originally like a hot beverage that didn't have sugar. In it. I thought it was just good iced sweet tea. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a different world here, and you know as well as I do, nutrition, especially like let's let's leave fitness on the table and just talk about nutrition. Nutrition is like an afterthought, and I have. I have some thoughts around why that is, why people have that attitude here, why everything's fried, why everything's so high in calorie. Um, and to make a, a long story short on that, we used to farm. Everybody around here was a farmer at one point in time. And farmers work hard, and they need a lot of calories to keep going throughout their entire day. And So I think it was a you know, of just the way people made huge calorically dense meals and that's how farmers got by they all stayed in shape because they just worked themselves like crazy but now in today's day and age that stuff doesn't matter as much you know having the high calorie foods just makes everybody well it makes everybody fat
0: you know now i know like for me the way i got into health and fitness is my mother was a nurse and she used to bring home i mean um books on anatomy and physiology and i would as a seven-year-old would just consume these books and then we went to a a convenience store and i seen my first issue of muscle magazine and that was it i was hooked and you know invented it ever since so what was your first remembrance of getting an idea or actually enjoying looking at the fitness lifestyle what was your first memory of that
1: yeah, so the thing I can recall the most vividly right now is a website called Muscle & Strength. MuscleAndStrength.com. I think it's a totally different site nowadays than it was back when I first got on it. But I remember I got picked on a lot, right? Like I was, I was picked on, I was bullied by different kids because I was overweight <laughs> as a kid. Um, and I remember just typing in on the internet, do you lose weight? How do you get in shape? How do you grow muscle? And com was the first website I found. And I went there, looked through some articles, and I found one of this guy who was a fitness model. And essentially, in my mind, for some reason, and I don't know why, I mean, I actually didn't like this guy, but I he kind of looks similar to me if he were you know, fat, if I was in better shape, I could possibly look like that. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll look at his diet because I'm sure he'll say something about his diet. And man, it was the standard good old like chicken, brown rice, broccoli kind of diet. And so I was like, okay, well, that's what I should eat to get in shape and I should probably start working out. He didn't lay out a workout, so I made up my own. (laughs) And it was just three sets of ten, three sets of ten lap pull downs, three sets of ten bicep curls, three sets of ten tricep extensions. That's what and I did that three days a week. That was my very first workout routine. Um so that was my start, but it all came back to that one article. Uh and I forget the guy's name, it was his first name was David, but I don't remember his last name. Uh, but that was what inspired me to really start doing something. Um,
0: you know, now I, there's a difference, you know, back in, in the day, you know, like I said, I'm old. I just turned 52. Um, but some of the muscle, the bodies were like, you know, um, Arnold, Arnold and Frank Zane, their looks were attainable. You know, they look, you look like, okay, if I worked out hard, I could possibly look like that. But then in the early, late 2000s, you know, they had, you had 300 pound men walking on stage shredded. Right. And you're, and and people were like, now that, you know, they would just go to bodybuilding shows just to see the freaks. But it seems like the fitness industry is starting to change back to the more attainable look, you know, to, to more going to the, um you know, physiques, contests, and stuff like that, so, you know, when did you start working out, and were there people that you, that you looked up to, that you could say, you know what, It, it may be hard to get there, but I think it's attainable if I train right, and take supplements, but if you, you know, then when you look at these math monsters, and you're like, there's no way I'm going to look like Ronnie Coleman at 300 pounds.
1: Right. Yeah. I was, so I was never chasing the Ronnie Coleman's and People like that. I just, I didn't have that desire. And actually now that we're talking about it, I remember that guy's name. It was David Kim Earl. If you can find him online, you might be able to see the physique that I, I saw at first that I looked up to and I believe he was like six feet tall and 190 pounds. So, I mean, this was not a insanely, you know, massive individual. This was just somebody that I thought, he looks really good. I want to look like that. As far as people I looked up to, I did kind of look backwards in terms of bodybuilding, even though I never wanted to be a bodybuilder. Um, I would look at the people like Frank Sane, and I I appreciated that more than the guys of the current generation when I got into it. Uh, I... I started trying to lose weight 10 years ago. So that was, you know, 2011. At the time, bodybuilders were massive. They were all huge, just like you're saying, and that didn't appeal to me. Being big for no reason didn't make much sense to me. I wanted to be lean, I wanted to be strong, and I wanted to be functional because anything I wanted to do in my life, I didn't So I wanted everything life has to offer to be on the table for me and whether you're really fat or you're so muscular that you can't reach around to your back being huge means that there are things that are off limits Uh, so that's kind of where my mind started to go when I started this journey you know 10 years ago
0: now uh were you a athlete in high school
1: not at all never played a sport
0: So, you know, because, you know, a lot of people that I've talked to, you know, that were into into bodybuilding and and fitness, a lot of them didn't play organized sports or a lot of them did wrestle because, you know, they got so used to, you know, being a one person, you know, if they failed, it was on them. Right. If they, it was on them. So, you know, I know when I was in the health and fitness industry. People looked at me weird because I would carry my lunches everywhere. I would be, you know, be drinking my protein shakes and stuff like that. So what was it like to people around you when you started getting into this whole
1: health and fitness thing? Yeah, I mean, my friend, like, I don't want to say the funny fat guy, but I could be funny from time to time. Um, but still, they saw me as a fat guy. So anytime, anytime anybody breaks out of the typical mold that people see them in... They're going to treat them weird, even recognize them. So I have this great example. I was, I was cutting down. I was trying to, like, get really, really lean. And remember, I got a hold of this stuff towards the end of my high school days. So, like, senior year was the peak for me in terms of, like, seeing me losing weight and whatnot. Um, so I was trying to get really lean for senior prom. That was my goal. So I'm leaning down for that. Me and my friends all like to go to IHOP and eat. So we would hang out at IHOP. i like, I don't know. I mean, they basically would kick us out at point. You know, we'd just spend like three or four hours hang out there. Um, this one day, as I'm kind of preparing to look as lean as I can for prom night, um, my friend looks at me at IHOP and he's like, hey, you're not going to get, you know, pancakes or or whatever. I was like, no, you know, I've I've eaten everything I'm going to eat for the day. I'm just going to sit here and hang out with you all. I mean, you know, he was just gigging me for probably 30, 40 minutes, getting, trying to get me to eat something. He's like, I just have a cheat day. Just have a cheat meal, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, I can't do that. I just have a cheat meal, whenever I want. That's, that's not really sticking to my plan. Um, but that's the one example I can really recall. Other than that, my friends were super supportive. I made it clear to them what I was doing, why I was doing it, and, you know, you get down to 8% body fat, and you look really good, and they don't ask why anymore.
0: Yeah, and then they, they, they started asking how.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still, a lot of guys from high school reach out still even to this day and be like, hey, i trying to lose a few pounds. What, what should I start doing?
0: And you know the funny thing is, uh, you know, like you know, talking about being health and fitness. That while we're actually talking, I just had somebody message me, somebody that I used to serve with, and we haven't talked in like twenty years. And now yeah. because he's, you know, he's having a medical issue, he's like, "Bro, I need your help. Um, yeah, can you help me out?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know." But why do we? I mean, this is. I, like I said, I don't know where I put my podcast goes. It just goes wherever it goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. Um. Why do we, as a human species, we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it until we have to do it? Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, you being, you know, living in Kentucky, me from South Carolina, you see a lot of these guys, you know, passing away at 50, 55 because, you know, diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol. Why do we wait until we're in dire straits in order for us to start? putting our health as an important issue.
1: I'm going to tell you what my opinion is because I I don't feel like I have a definite answer on this. So I'm going to tell you my opinion. My opinion is the longer you live your life, the more you tend to live it on autopilot. So we all have things that were taught to us by our parents, our friends, our communities, whoever. And we do, we act out these behaviors because it's what we think is normal. It's what we think is expected. And oftentimes it's done without conscious thought. We just live, we make what we think are like actionable choices, but really what we're doing is we're just carrying out patterns of behavior that we've lived in before. And so, why does it take something huge to get people to, to do the right thing sometimes? It's because the pain of change has to be less than the pain of staying in the same action, the same lifestyle. So if you're leading a really unhealthy lifestyle where you, you know, smoke three packs of cigarettes a day and you eat nothing but hamburgers, hot dogs and pizza and you're really overweight, well, you've probably done that for many, many years and it's really not painful to live that way. It's just not great. So you keep it living it out. You keep doing whatever. And people can tell you it's wrong all day long, but you look at yourself and you're like, well, it doesn't seem to affect me too bad. And then you have like a scare for a heart attack or something. And all of a sudden, the pain of changing to a healthier diet, the pain of quitting smoking, the pain of going out for a run, that becomes less painful because it's better than continuing to do what you know is going to kill you. I love that brother um so now did you go
0: to school for health and fitness
1: no no I initially had the idea to go to school for psychology um got into that for a couple years didn't really stick with it then I went to college for business and again didn't stick with that Uh, I dropped out I mean I have an an associate's degree but I don't have like a four-year college degree um I just have a passion for fitness. So I helped myself lose. I, I want to think the total was something like 65 pounds, you know, by the end of things. Now I've put on weight since then and muscle, but you know, in the beginning it was like 65 pounds. Uh, I helped myself. Then I helped a couple other people. And I was always training people here and there, but never really committed to it as a full-time gig. Um, and then I had the idea that I would get into physical therapy. So I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a job in a lot of physical therapy clinics called physical therapy technician. And who that is, is it's somebody who carries out therapeutic exercise for patients. Now, I could could not choose the exercises, but I could take the exercises that physical therapists give their patients and tell them how to do it and make sure they do it correctly great for somebody who's done a lot of you know personal training in the past so I got into that and I was really I was thinking man I'm going to get into this physical therapy thing I'll go to school for it you know maybe do the whole doctorate thing eventually and I finally just realized like I'm not going to be happy unless I make my income off of helping people really improve because physical therapy was cool but it was really just getting people to baseline. And I realized my passion was to get people to to chase the maximum potential they have. I don't think any of us will actually reach our maximum potential because it's way out there. and It takes a lot of work to do that. But I do think we can all chase it. And I want to help people do that. So then I started Pursuit Fitness Academy as like a side business. I stuck with it and grew it to what it is today, which is, you know, my full-time gig. Now, do you train at a
0: certain space? Do you do now? All right, so do you, because of COVID, did you have to pivot at all?
1: Not at all. So before COVID, I started my business before COVID, and I've done everything exclusively online since the beginning. I've always coached my clients over the Internet. I don't have, I don't have that many clients in fact, if I were to go in right now and look at it, I don't think I have right now who lives within the state, so I coach a lot of people out of state, and when COVID happened, the only pivot I had to make was I adjusted everybody's program to be an at-home program instead of a in-the-gym program. Um, I thankfully didn't lose any clients. Everybody wanted to hang with me. They all still got really good results, but yeah. because of the way I've done things, I didn't have to stress out about that too much. So now, you know,
0: talking about my past, you know, um, it's not what I do anymore. Now I'm a full-time podcaster. So that's what I do for a living now. But in the past, I would get physique and bodybuilders ready for shows. And um, a lot of times, not just saying for me, for other coaches, professional coaches out there, a bodybuilder will totally blow the last couple hours of his um, prep and come in too heavy, holding on to a lot of water, blah, blah, blah. And then it's the coach's fault. You know, it wasn't, (laughs) no, you know, that you all of a sudden decided to add, you know, way too many carbs. So your body held on to water and you look like crap. You know, I didn't tell you to do that. But a lot of times, you know, if somebody fails, you know, even like the NFL, the first person to get, get fired is the coach.
1: You yeah, know, right. So
0: have you ran into that at all where you're like, you know, well, I'm not losing weight? Yeah. Well, you know, people don't realize that if you have a cheat meal, it takes away two days, two to three days of eating right just because you had that one cheat meal. Oh, so all man. of a sudden you're eating three or four cheat meals a week, you shot the whole week. And, you know, oh, you forgot to tell me that you're eating pizza. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And they blame you. So have you, have you got any backlash or you're like, well, I'm not losing any weight on your program.
1: I want my money back. No, I've, I've never had any backlash with that. And I think there's a big reason why. It's because when I pull people in, I make sure they understand that the ultimate goal is like a lifestyle change. It's not just a physical result of like pounds lost. Um, or like six pack abs or whatever, I make sure they understand, listen, you've come to me because you know things are out of whack. You need to get your priorities straight. You need to learn how to eat better. You need to learn how to consistently exercise. And we need to address any detrimental mental aspects that you have around weight loss, around health, around fitness, whatever the the thing is. Um, So because it's all about Addressing the total person, I don't get so much backlash from people where they're like, oh, man, I'm not losing weight on your program. I want my money back. It's like they all they all automatically know if I come in and I don't do the work, that's on me. Not not on. I feel like I just got that really jumbled. I'll say it if they come in and see that they're not doing the work. They don't blame me for it because I make sure there's a there is a understanding of honesty in the beginning. We all have to have that. We all need to be open with each other, me with them and they with me. And I, I guess I just do a good job of making sure we have that. So I've had people who I think maybe the worst result was somebody lost five pounds, right? that's that's not so great. Five pounds over the course of a twelve week program is is not great at all. Um, but what we got to do was discuss why, why did that happen? Why was it not more? why why did things go wrong? And I have a weekly check-in with everybody. It's you know up to an hour long call where we go over what did the week look like? What decisions did you make? Why could this be happening? And yeah. It it still becomes a transformational process for them, and I'll talk to clients later who, that for some reason, it clicks a month or two down the road, and then they start losing weight.
0: Okay, now I got a question asked because you know, like you said, this is fun. Um, I'm I'm having a great time. Yeah. So I want it so much. No, um, you don't. Know, you know, because I barely. You know, when I when I interviewed, you know, two or the three killer bees. You know, they're all power lifters. So it was fun. We were just geeking out and talking about you know, supplements and all that good stuff. Um, but now there's a certain top five M- Mr. Olympia physique winner. I can't say his name because I'm not about to get sued. Um, he has a, a, a training program, which he has thousands and thousands of clients, but he doesn't tailor make their, um, their food programs and their workouts. It's like cookie cutter. Yeah. And I found just in my opinion, you know, not everything works for everybody. You know, like I was in the health and fitness industry for 30 years, ran a a million dollar general nutrition center and not all supplements work for everybody. And some, you know, some things work for some and some don't work for others. So how do you differentiate yourself from all the other online trainers that are out there?
1: That's a great question, Uh, because, man, (laughs) I don't do anything particularly groundbreaking. I'm not going to act like I do, because at the end of the day, you know, just like I do, what makes fitness work is good nutrition and good exercise. So when I say it's not groundbreaking, it's like all I do is stand behind the tried and true principles of like energy expenditure, uh, caloric intake exercise like consistent good exercise cardio when necessary i i stand behind that tried and true stuff and in terms of do you do cookie cutter stuff or do you tailor make things for people you can't go cookie cutter and get good results not for the majority of people at least now you'll hit a decent portion of the population especially if you target your marketing well. you can find people that will fit your program if it's cookie cutter and for guys that do like the mr olympia stuff and they've got a big following and they have thousands of people signing up this sounds bad but i don't mean it bad i don't know that they're out there to make a massive impact on people i think they're just marketing something they can charge money for which is fine that's business that you know that's life for me on the other hand I work with a very few amount of clients at a time because I actually want to work with them. I don't want to just hand program and say, okay, go for it. I actually want to work with them. So I have a small list of clients that I keep at any one time. I make sure that things fit their schedule. We talk about the details of their life outside of the gym because that's important. And nobody talks about that. Everybody just acts like, oh, just hit the gym. And it's like, well, what if they work during the time most gyms are open? What if they can't make it to the gym on normal times? How do you set up a schedule for that person? I've got a guy right now who his primary place of exercise is the park that his kids go to. That's where he has to work out. You're not going to hand him a cookie cutter program that's like you know five by five on the major you know, power lifts and expect him to do because he can't do it. He's in a park working out. So I guess the groundbreaking thing, the, the big differentiator between me and other people is when I pull somebody, first off, I interview them from a client make sure they're a good fit. And two, once I decide they are a good fit, I actually build a relationship with these people. They're not just somebody doing one of my programs. They are a person that I get to know and hopefully a person I can impact in a big way. You know, and when I used to
0: train clients, it sounds, you know, it sounds really stupid and barbaric um, now in today's day and age. Um, I used to take them and we'd sit down and we would watch the, mo- the movie um, Pumping Iron, you know, with Arnold. Absolutely. And those guys, they were doing the basics. Yeah. But they were doing them well you know, there was no, all these machines, it was all, it was mostly all free weight. And if you see him eating, you know, there was no keto diet, you know, there was no, none of this other fluff that, you know, they were eating whole food, you know, they were eating all, a lot of steak, a lot of chicken, you know, the, the bodybuilding diet. But these guys, you know, like Frank and, you know, these guys like Arnold and, and, And Lou, you know, all these guys looked amazing and they were doing basic stuff, but they were doing it very well and very consistent.
1: Yeah. I'm going to screw this up when I say it, but I heard somebody say the only difference between an expert and everybody else is a deep understanding of the fundamentals, right? Like things are not overly complicated. There's really... In everything in life, there are fundamentals, there are basics, there are things you need to know. And the better you get at those fundamentals, the better you'll be overall in that discipline, whether it's you know, fitness or I enjoy archery. I just got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. like all this stuff. There are basic fundamentals of all these things. And if you know how to do them, you'll be at an expert level if you do them consistently and practice them, and really, really understand them in a deeper way than most people do.
0: Yep. You know, and you see, you know, now we're talking about BJJ. Uh, I used I used to fight at one time. Oh,
1: nice cage fight for a little while.
0: Um, but you know, when you're when you're they call it rolling. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're rolling, you also also have to take care of your health. You know, you have to take care of your joints. You know, you have to make sure that you're doing things the right way because even if you're rolling and sparring with somebody you can easily if you don't know the basics can pull somebody's arm out of whack pull a tendon you can you break somebody's arm if you do not know the
1: basics absolutely yeah i um (laughs) funny story on that so i'm new right like i am a i'm a white belt that's coming up on two months into this thing and i love jujitsu It's my newfound love within the world of, you know, health, fitness, exercise, whatever you want to call it. And um, I got caught in a calf slicer the other day. And I was like, I got to tap fast because I've heard with a calf slicer, you know, when you really start to feel that pain in your knee, it's like, hey, your ACL is about to piece out. So (laughs) you need to, you need to tap fast.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, like I'm a big professional wrestling guy. You know, I've worked with guys from the WWE. And you know, they always had to take, even though you see them, you know, beating each other up, they're all if you're actually really, really watch, they're actually taking care of each other. And the same thing when you're rolling with somebody, you know, they're 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 putting your their trust in you. And you can't just go and if you don't know what the basics are, you know, you can maim a person for life, you know, you can pull it like you said pull an ACL, pull a hamstring on somebody and tear it. And they're screwed for life. So you definitely have to do the, you know, the basics very well. And like you said, you know, the, the professionals are the ones that do the, do the very basics, the best. That Absolutely. They can, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, so what I think of, especially with like the basics and jujitsu, it's like the black belt, the guy that owns our school, he has a really incredible, like he plays super well from guard. He can do other stuff very well too, but a lot of his stuff that's really, really good is not flashy stuff. It just it's the simple stuff that they teach you on day one, but he's got a mastery of it.
0: Uh, you know, I, I now I love that. Now we're going to get into some of you know health and fitness stuff that people can actually start doing today. You know, like, um, a lot of people that are listening to this are either veterans entrepreneurs both and you know we get out of the military you know when we're in the military we're doing pt every day you know we're running every day calisthenics push-ups and you know what we were drunk we we're running either what we're sober or drunk you know we're still doing pt yeah. you know five yeah. six days a week you know then we get out all of a sudden you know we're eating bonbons sitting on a couch put on 50 pounds and all of a sudden you're pre-diabetic so what do you say to people that you know want to get back in shape, but, because, okay, now this is what used to drive me crazy. Um, Like I said, I ran a million dollar store, and every, like, January 2nd, all people would come in with all the new sweatsuits, all the new socks and shoes, and they put, like, $400 worth of products on on the counter, because they want to get in shape. And, I start putting everything back on the shelves telling them you don't need this. You don't need this. You need basics. You need to, you know, start from the basic, you know, start with a pyramid. And it's like, for me, the pyramid was always a multivitamin, a fish oil and a protein for recovery. And they're like, but that's all I need. I was like, yeah, because you have to go with the basics. So what are some of the basics that a person can do just to start getting back into shape because now the weather is going to start breaking. So what is something, you know, people, cause a lot of people they'll go to the gym, they'll hit it hard for like three days. All of a sudden they get the delayed muscle onset soreness. They don't yeah. go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what can a person do to start getting back or get into the routine of changing their lifestyle? As you say, what can they start? What little steps can they start making? Well, the
1: first thing I think everybody needs to do is get very honest about their current situation. So just like you're saying, a lot of people January 1st, they show up at supplement shops and gyms and they just throw you know, 500 to a thousand dollars worth of gym memberships and supplements. And they expect that to fix everything. And it doesn't. And the reason why is because they're not honest about their starting point. And what they need to do first in order to make some kind of improvement. So what I'm really getting at here is like, get honest with yourself about how do you eat. Because I ask people all the time, hey, what's your diet diet look like? And they say they're having trouble losing weight. I'm like, well, what does your diet look like? And they all say, well, I eat eat pretty well?" well. And that's like, I get that they're trying to maybe guard something or not seem not seem very unhealthy, I don't care. The point is, you have to actually look at what it is you're doing. And the only way to do that objectively when you start is to track your nutrition. There are different methods to do it, but you need to track the food that you're putting in your body. So if if somebody came up to me and said, hey, I've never done anything, I'm overweight, I need to start getting in shape, the first thing I would tell them to do is track what you eat for the next week doesn't even matter how many calories or all that. Like, don't even focus on that yet. Just track what you eat for a week and don't change anything. And at the end of that week, you need to see what your normal habits are. Because guess what? Those habits are what are leading you to look and feel the way that you look and feel right now. So that's the nutrition side, I would say. Start tracking everything and just truly assess where you're at. As far as exercise goes. Again, be honest, are you working out at all? Do you have an active lifestyle in terms of like your job or just general activities that you enjoy doing? If so, cool, you know, put down how much you're exercising that you're not even considering. If not, look at, okay, well, how many times do I work out a week? Is it zero? Okay, could I exercise per week? You know, feasibly, everybody's got a different schedule. Can you make it in three days a week? Can you make it in four or about five? You know, and if you look at it and you're like, well, I've actually got time to go seven days a week. Well, you shouldn't do that. My recommendation would be if you can go maximum four days a week, make a plan to go three. Give yourself one day of leeway so that if you skip A day here or there, you can make it up by the end of the week and you're still on track with your plan. That's that's the two things I would say do is figure out what you can commit in terms of exercise and then also figure out where you're starting with nutrition, because most people have no clue.
0: You know, I love that. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. And the reason why I ask this, you know, like when I had to go buy a brand new car, I go to the dealership. And the salesman, of course, Mr. Kaufman, blah, blah, blah. Um, And he starts showing me a car. And then I ask him for his car keys. And he asked me, well, why are you asking me for my car keys? Because if I'm going to buy a Ford and you're a salesperson, you better be driving a Ford. (laughs) You're not. That means you do not believe in your own product. And I want somebody that's that's, um, driving a Ford. Um, so what I'm asking you is what is your current workout like and what supplements do you take?
1: So supplement wise, I take one supplement and then I, because I don't consider protein powder to be a supplement. A greens drink in the morning and that's really the only supplement that I take. everything else I try to get in through diet. Now my way of dieting is a little different than, a lot of people, especially the old school guys, are okay with. Uh, we've talked some. I think you're on board with at least this part of it. I do more of a flexible diet approach. So 80% of my food should be clean. And then the other 20%, well, I don't stress about it too much as long as I'm not overeating in any one area, whether that be calories, carbs, fat, or protein. Uh, so that's my dieting approach. In terms of exercise, I do strength training three days a week. So something with, you know, barbells, sometimes dumbbells too, but I do a lot of barbell work. And then I also train. Yu-jitsu. Okay. You
0: know, and you know, that's why, I, you know, cause a lot of people, you know, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of crap in my 30 years in the, in the health and fitness industry. And I've seen a lot of trainers, you know, they they tell their clients to do one thing and then they're training at another gym, doing something totally different. And you're like, wait a minute, you just told me to do not to do any cardio. But here you're doing two hours of right. cardio a day. You know, so those kind of like I just, just want to get the sense of people to know, you know, where you're at. Now, uh, two questions I have, before, you know, before I let you go, because I know you have some uh, fun and amazing things to do today. Um, how do people find you? How can they get you as their coach? and how can they you know if they want to have you on on their podcast how can they get in touch
1: the with easy to connect with me is facebook now i'm unlike most people i don't use facebook as a personal platform really like i don't connect with friends and family so much there as i used to i use it as a platform for you know my business and my message in terms of fitness and health um and sometimes I post, like, general self-improvement stuff on there. But my name is Paul Dangerfield. You can look that up on Facebook. It's going to be hard for you to find somebody that is not me because it's kind of a unique last name. Uh, if you need to find stuff about Pursuit Fitness Academy, which is the, uh, the fitness business that I run, you can type in, in the groups area of Facebook, you can type in Pursuit Fitness Community. And that's a free Facebook group that I offer to people just to join and find some, some free information that I share about nutrition, exercise. I posted some home stuff during the lockdown period. Uh, but, yeah, Facebook is generally the place where you'll be able to find me. And uh, now last
0: question I asked for everybody, and you pretty much answered it before. But, you know, we live such a crazy and hectic life now. In, during COVID and doing, you know, trying to work and kids homeschooling and all that stuff. If I ask somebody to do something in seven days, in the next seven days, they're probably never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So if somebody out there is struggling with their health. What is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to improve their lifestyle?
1: Well, If they live somewhere close to me, I would suggest they get outside and go 45 minutes to an hour long walk. And here's why I say that. That's totally different from everything about up to this point, but we didn't touch on cardio. My favorite form of cardio for people that are actively trying to lose weight is walking. I have a weighted vest that I wear when I go walk. I love it. It's, not just a form of steady state cardio. It's actually a meditative process. And anybody that's done it consistently understands what I mean by that. You get out there, you're in the sunshine. It's beautiful. It's nice. You take in nature. I mean, I suggest you walk somewhere that's like not next to the road. You should actually go out to the woods or something and just take in God's creation and, Experience that for yourself. Express some gratitude for everything that you have, and even the opportunity ha- you have to get out there and walk because there's people that can't. And in doing that, what you've done is a myriad of things. You feel like all you've done is go for a walk. What you've really done is you've practiced gratitude. You've gotten outside, which is something most people just don't do nowadays, and it's so good for you. In fact, it's so good for you that I'm standing on my deck. Doing as podcast because I knew that would be good for my mental state while we talked. So, anyways, you're getting outside, you're doing cardio, you're expressing gratitude, you're setting up all this stuff where your mental state is so much better than when you began. And that could propel you to do it again tomorrow, which is going to make a bigger difference.
0: I love that, brother. Guys, if you're listening to this and you're looking to get, get in shape, Definitely get in touch with my brother. Um, He'll take care of you. I know he will take care of you, especially for listeners of this podcast. Um, I just want to say thank you. Uh, Thank you to the guys at Double B Creates, Kevin and the boys, um, for introducing us. And if you guys love a podcast that's fun, creative, um, but also teaches you a lot, check out Double B, the letter B, Creates.com. Tell them I sent you. Uh, brother, I just want to say thank you. And uh, first of all, um, I should have mentioned it before, but I want to thank you most of all for being a brother in Christ. Because um, it seems like God is putting people in my life for reasons. And I just want to say thank you for being a brother in Christ. And can you please tell us that Exodus scripture that it says in your Bible? Exodus bio?
1: nine sixteen. Hold on. <laughs>
0: I had to ask. Guys, I just want to thank you for so much for hanging out with us today. Um, big things are happening here at Vertical Momentum. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Tumblr, um you can also find me at the comeback coach so you know i just want to say thank you guys and you guys are doing amazing things so definitely check out paul dangerfield check him out on facebook if you need a coach definitely reach out to paul yeah yeah i'm here are you you still there
1: yep i'm here brother All right, so it says but indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. So why did you put that verse, that verse? I, um, <laughs> so I do ministry in Northern Ireland. I go there every so often. Of course, with the shutdown stuff, that didn't happen recently. But I usually go there at least every other year. I went on my first trip to Northern Ireland, and I come back home, and my, you know, my brain was just baking and all this ministry stuff I love, and uh, to a preacher, preach about the exodus, you know, the Jews leaving Egypt, and when he preached about it, what he was saying was, even if we don't want to, even if we don't think we're pushing God's purpose forward, we actually are, because... That verse, a lot of people don't know this, that verse was actually spoken to Pharaoh, not to Joseph, not to the people leading the Israelites out of Egypt. Um, that was spoken to Pharaoh. So God was saying he had raised Pharaoh up so that he could show his power in him because he was going to you know, exert his power over him through that story of the Exodus. And it's just a constant reminder to me that what God's will will be. And the more I can line myself up with that, the easier life's going to be. Because, well, if you know the story, things didn't go so well for Pharaoh.
0: Yep. So, and, you know, and like I said, I want to thank you most of all for being a brother in Christ. Because, you know, that means we'll be together eternally. So I just want to say thank you. Um, this podcast will probably go out in the next couple weeks. weeks. Um, it'll go out on 10 different platforms and I'll send you the link. And then all I'm going to ask you to do is send a picture to me and send a, a short quote and any discount codes or anything, just send it to me so I can put it in the, awesome. the liner notes. All right. All right, brother. Well, God bless you. And thank you for spending the time hey, with me you. today.
1: This has been a blessing. All
0: right, Paul, have an you amazing too.
1: day, brother. Bye.